Uh, Father, we thank you uh, for your word to us this morning. And Father, we ask, Lord, give us ears to hear your words to us today. Lord, please uh, do this in us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. What is the proper response when someone does something for your benefit? Uh, For example, when you are sick and need to be in hospital for whatever reason and the doctors and nurses help you get better, what's the proper response at that point? What's the proper response? Now, let's just break it down a little bit more, right, because I've had my fair share of hospital time. Uh, when you're, when you're hospitalised, you are in a fairly vulnerable position. You are at the mercy of experts and medical professionals. And at that moment, at that particular moment, when all your power is taken away from you, any semblance of control that you might have cultivated, any semblance of control you might have had, is gone. And it's in the hands of the people who you need, you have to place your trust in. And if they've done their job well enough and helped you to recover, hopefully, uh, you would compliment them, wouldn't you? Hopefully, you would at least say thank you, right? Hopefully, you would do that, right? Hopefully, you would say thank you when you leave the hospital. See, we only compliment someone when they have done something that is worthy of a compliment, especially when we are in deep, deep trouble. And in the context of life-saving stuff, uh, hopefully a thank you would suffice at the bare minimum. And in this particular psalm, we encounter something similar in the life of David. David uh, writes Psalm 41 from what we uh, know, and, but the only problem is we aren't exactly sure when it was written in David's life. This psalm is a psalm of deliverance. And uh, point one, it is a psalm about God delivering people from trouble. And we are introduced to a God who delivers a particular person from trouble. And you see this in the first three verses of Psalm 41. And this psalm begins with the one who is blessed in the eyes of God. Who is this blessed one? Who is this blessed one? It's the, he is the one who looks after the poor and lowly in society whom God calls blessed. See, the focus here is on the one who cares for the weak. But in what sense is weak? Is it, is it financial? Possibly. Is it physical? Yeah, possibly. Or maybe they're just helpless. Absolutely. The one who is helpless is in view here as the object of being considered by this blessed one. And so this blessed one does more than just a like on social media or a share of a post for someone who just happens to be weak in society or dare I say more than just giving lip service to those who, uh, to those poor people who are struggling and then carry on as if nothing has happened. The blessed one 
cares for the weak around him. Notice what is happening here. Notice what is happening here. God declares the one who looks and defends the helpless around him as blessed. And this blessing is shown through the Lord's care for this blessed one in their times of trouble. See what's happening? See what's happening? God favours the lowly. And he also favours defenders of the lowly. But look at what this blessing also entails in verse 2. The Lord is the one who will protect the life of the blessed one. And part of this protection is tied to victory over his enemies. The Lord is the great protector. The Lord is the great protector. And it's not just a protection from physical threats. In verse 3, this blessing is also uh, spoken of, also entails, sorry, uh, sustaining of physical health and restoration from illness. Now, this protection from illness and sustaining uh, from sickness is only applicable for the blessed one. It's not universal in application, but it's particularly applied to this person. So for David, for David, what choice does he have? Well, he puts all of his eggs, so to speak, into God's delivering basket. What do you do in times of trouble? What do you do? Well, trust in God in times of trouble. See, uh, I think uh, there's a natural thing that we tend to do as uh, middle class uh, Australians. I think it is uh, the temptation just to look within in times of trouble. Maybe you muster up all that self-help advice you've accumulated all those years and you just do whatever needs to be done, Use, leaning on that advice. Maybe you give yourself the pep talk. You give yourself the pep talk. Like the little engine that could, right? Uh, you, th- you say to yourself, I think I can. I think I can. And you keep repeating it until you, you get it done. In times of trouble, maybe you retreat into yourself like a turtle to protect yourself. In times of trouble, we trust in God to help us out of these times. Trusting in God, let me just say from personal experience and the experience of others, isn't easy. It's not easy. But now uh, David is getting into specifics. He himself is now identifying as the blessed one. And uh, we get this because, uh, point 1a, there is a plea from David for God to deliver him from his troubles. And you see this in verses 4 to 9 in your Bibles. Now, I want you to notice that there's a shift in the subject. 
Right, for all you grammar nerds out there, we see the shift from the third person to the first person, from he to I. And there's a desperate plea, isn't there? There is a desperate plea. It is a plea for mercy and healing. Now, what's the connection between mercy and healing? Well, uh, firstly, let me just say, David pleads uh, for mercy because he has sinned and rebelled against God. And so at this point, mercy is totally understandable. But David also pleads for healing because of his sin against God. Huh? What? Now, I think uh, what's happening here is that uh, sin reveals two particular things. Firstly, uh, sin reveals that there is a fracture in the relationship between God and David. And so the way you mend that relationship is through seeking God's mercy because it's us that's done wrong by the relationship, not the other way around. God hasn't done wrong by us. We've done wrong by God. And so mercy makes sense, right? It makes sense at that point. But what about healing? What about healing? See, we think of healing in terms of physical injury or psychological injury. And so here there's some sort of injury that, that is happening. I mean, we've all experienced injury, haven't we? We've all been injured in some way. I wake up and I'm injured, right? <laughs> Just from sleeping, right? I think what is going on here is that David recognises that there is something wrong within himself, a, a, a self-inflicted injury, if you like, which enables him to sin against God. See, sin and rebellion in your life against uh, God reveal an injury that we all need to deal with. It's an injury that cannot be ignored. You can't ignore an injury. (laughs) You can't. It needs to be dealt with. And in the context, context of sin, only the Lord can deal with it. And we also see here is a confession of sin against God. See, we need to remember, sin isn't just doing some naughty thing. It's not just just, that deserves a little slap on the wrist or a smack on the hand, if we're allowed to do that. Sin is deeply harmful to to your mind, to your body, to your spirit. And mercy is the right response to sin. Asking for internal healing is another appropriate response to our sin. Because God himself is able to deal with our rebellion and sin against him. See, when we confess our sins... Is it just sorry, but not really sorry? Or is it, have mercy on me, heal me from my sin? See, dealing with sin requires true repentance. 
the image that we should uh, have when we hear the word repentance, or true repentance that is, is that we're going in one direction in life and then when we repent, we go not 90 degrees, not 10 degrees, but we go 180 degrees in the opposite direction. Sin is a big deal. And when we try and hide it, uh, sorry, we can try and hide it. We can try and justify it using every angle we can find, even using half-truths that are semi-biblical. The only way to deal with sin is by coming to God, confessing wrongdoing, seeking repentance and receiving forgiveness from the Lord. Uh, Then comes uh, the perspective of the enemies in verse 5. Notice what the, the blessed one's enemies want of him. They want David to be wiped off the face of the earth. David's enemies, who are also God's enemies, want nothing to do with them. And especially his king, see him as a threat. See, threats are always eliminated, aren't they? Threats are always eliminated. And uh, this is called persecution. And there's a deeply uncomfortable truth. There's a real uncomfortable truth. Trusting in God eventually invites persecution of some type, whether big or small. It invites persecution. If you want to live a godly life, a life for the Lord, you will be persecuted. You will be persecuted. David's enemies also want to destroy his reputation with lies and slander. See, lies and slander are just empty words. that They are false and baseless accusations. Lies and slander are the ammunition of uh, the enemies of God. Though empty and baseless, gee, they can do a lot of damage. They can do a lot of damage. So don't be surprised if people lie and slander you because you follow the Lord. Don't be surprised. Enemies, the enemies of God, want what is worst for you. Not what is best, what is worst for you. And then the tragedy in verse 9. Trusted friends betray David. And the image here that we see is one of hospitality. Welcoming a friend into the home, breaking bread, sharing a meal, sharing life, doing life together. But this friend continues to betray him. See, don't be surprised if you have friends one day and none the next because you follow the Lord. It's like as if uh, David's enemies want him to be cancelled. So uh, if David was around today, they would try and spread lies about him on social media. Maybe they would call his boss, tell him what an awful human being he is. 
and how damaging he would be to the reputation for the, of the company that he works for. David had a troubled life. It wasn't carefree. It was a life filled with great highs and tragic lows. And throughout it all, only God could help him. Enemies of God and his people want to physically harm you and destroy your reputation. So what do you do? What do you do at this point? Do you fight back John Wick style? If you don't know who John Wick is, about a guy and his dog. Okay, so that's a... But do you fight back? Is vengeance... Is that the answer? Well, what did David do in this situation? What did he do? He turned to God, who is the only one who can completely deal with this situation. I mean, what would you do in this situation? The attention uh, turns not to what David did, but now to what God did for David. So point 1B, God delivers David from his enemies who is worthy of praise. And we see this in verses 10 to 13. We start off with a plea for God to act in verse 10. The plea from the blessed one, that is David, is for mercy on himself and for him to rise against his foes. But is this just? It sounds like David wants vengeance here, doesn't it? See, David's sins are being dealt with through not his own strength, but through the mercy of God. The sins of his foes also need to be dealt with. And it seems that they will be dealt with through judgment rather than through mercy. See, if his foes had repented, God would gladly forgive them and show mercy to them because that's what we see in the Bible. God is a God who freely forgives and freely shows mercy and lovingly does so. But their trajectory is not looking good at this point. Through David, God's king, God carries out his justice. And it's not revenge on you, but it is the punishing of evil. It is justice, not vengeance. Because believe it or not, evil doing must be dealt with. And not just the severe stuff that we see on TV, but even the little things as well. It must be completely dealt with. See, it can't just be swept under the rug. Sin cannot be, sin and evil and rebellion just can't be swept under the rug and we just hope and ignore it and hope that God won't notice. See, when evil is just swept under the rug in this world, we cry out for justice, don't we? And we call out the corruption that has taken place. Because Forgiveness, because justice pleases God. It's not being nice, is it? It's not doing good things. 
It's not showing your intelligence or even just showing how holy you present yourself to be on a Sunday. God is pleased with this blessed one, with David, because of his repentance and seeking mercy from the Lord. If you want God to be pleased with you, seek his mercy. Deal with your rebellion against him by going to him, seeking forgiveness. Then we come to verse 12. What, uh, and, and we see, uh, sorry, uh, then we see uh, uh, integrity. Uh, so what integrity is being told here? What type is it? I think here it is purity of the heart. But is this based on David's works? At first glance, you would think so, wouldn't you? But when you take the whole context of the psalm together, the Lord who forgives and restores from sin through his own mercy, we see that integrity is founded when uh, founded by dealing honestly and openly with sin before a God who willingly forgives. Biblical integrity is located in true mercy desiring to live for the Lord in all aspects of life. Integrity here is tied to the call for mercy. Mercy is how one gains biblical integrity. And because of this work of God upon the Blessed One, the appropriate response is to praise him in verse 13. Because God grants mercy to a sinner who doesn't deserve it, God is to be praised. Praise, thanks, is the appropriate response to God's mercy. When someone saves you, what's the appropriate response? The appropriate response to God's acts in David's life is to praise the one who saves. Well, what about for us today? What about for us today? For us, point two, the Lord delivers us from the ultimate problem in this world. Now, we all face trouble in our lives from time to time In some seasons, it feels like it's one trouble after the next and again and again and again. And it feels like as if we're caught in some downward spiral. We might place the blame on something. It might be bad timing. It might just be dire circumstances in that particular moment. It could just be bad luck. Either way, that's not how life is meant to be. There is something that is not quite right with this world. The problem with this world is that everything in it works and rebels against God and his ways. See, if you think that God created a broken world, you've got it wrong. You need to read Genesis 1 and 2 again. 
problem with this world is that everything in it works and rebels against God and his ways, including you and me. You think sickness is a natural part of life? It is a consequence of sin and rebellion against God and his ways. You think relationship breakdown is a natural part of life or something that just happens? It is a consequence of sin and rebellion against God and his ways. Everything is broken. Throughout life's challenges, through the highs and lows of life, the Lord delivers us from the ultimate issue of sin in our lives through the Lord Jesus. The one who is truly blessed and through whom all who trust in him are blessed. The one who was betrayed and abandoned by those closest to him. The one for whom death could not hold down for he is risen against the ultimate foe, sin and death. Earlier, um, I asked what is the proper response when someone does something for your benefit. And now after going through this psalm, another question arises. What is the proper response to God's saving acts. It is coming to God in mercy to have your sin and rebellion dealt with. It is receiving forgiveness with thanksgiving. The Lord is worthy of praise because he saves. Because he saves. See, when we realise the depths by which we need saving and the extent by which God would go to save us, he is truly worthy of praise. Let me close in prayer. Father, we thank you that you are worthy of praise. We thank you that you are a God who loves and cares for us. We thank you, Lord, that you ultimately show your love and care for us through, your, through the Lord Jesus. Lord, may we always remember who we are without him and may we remember who we are now with him. And Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.